0: to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. Me and Renée went shopping yesterday at a Pick and Pay and all of a sudden, you know, she looks at me and says, Yes, you're lazy. And I, I got such a fright; I nearly fell out of the trolley. You know. <laughs> 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 well, so those of you don't know me, like you George H. My name is Andy von Amerwerth. I'm a mechanical engineer by day, and before and after that, I'm a father of two sons. And every other waking minute of my day, I'm a husband as well, and a personal assistant to my wife. <laughs> so before we get into this, I just want to. I just want to share with you a little bit about um, <clears throat> how this message came to me. It was one night, we, were, we had a hectic week at work, and um, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was lying awake in bed thinking about how to solve certain problems, because there were a couple of them. And um, I decided, you know, I'm just going to leave this a little bit and put in my earphones and played some music. And a song came on, and immediately God told me, this is going to be a sermon. You're going to preach about this. So today, here I am, preaching this sermon. All right, let's get into this. you see, it's impossible possibilities. Let's start with Ezekiel 37, verse 1 to 10. We're going to do the whole thing, and then I'm going to explain a little bit later. But this is so colorful, I'm sure you'll enjoy this. It says, It's Ezekiel speaking. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. And these bones were very dry. Now, if he says these bones are very dry, it means they were really dry. Probably so dry that a dog would not come in there and try his luck. These bones were dry. And then, he, and then God asked him, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord said to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. And I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied and was com- as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and these bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath. From the four winds and breathe into these slain that they might live. So I prophesied as it was commanded me, and breath entered them and it came to life, and they stood onto their feet, a vast army. Now, something to notice here that I think most people miss about this part is the fact that they were bones. And because they were bones, it means that there was life there once before. So, what happened to these bones? And what's amazing in Ezekiel, he refers back to Genesis 2, now when God breathed life into man. Genesis 2 verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Just on the side note, do you know Adam had the first ever computer? It was an apple. And its memory was so small because it took only one bite and everything crashed. <laughs> That's just a side note. You didn't buy diet for that. That's just... <laughs> so, so here we see that the breath of God is clearly the thing that brings life. It's a thing that gives life. And what happened after that is... You know the story about the apple and Eve and the snake came and it brought sin into the world and then everything died. Not physically dead, but spiritually dead. Now that is where, where the bones come from. Now they're dead. And as Ezekiel was walking to these bones, God looked at him and says, Ezekiel, do you think these bones could live? And I think he was a bit perplexed there because he was walking among the bones and he says the bones were scattered. So there wasn't even a full skeleton that he could see, well, this might be human bones. So he walked around there, and because he was a prophet, he knew the politically correct answer to, these, to this question. And he said, God knows. Lord, only you know whether these bones can live. And then God said to them, he commands him and said, prophesy to these bones. And he started prophesying to these bones, and all of a sudden, the ground began to shake. Everything rattled, bones coming together, tendons forming on joints, flesh coming on them, skin forming them. And I think for a moment, he stood there, and mid-prophecy, he was so amazed at what was happening around him, he forgot to do the whole thing. And then God just gently reminds him and says, don't forget the part about the breath, you know, prophesy to the breath. Because without this, this ship won't sail. Now, this breath is very important. And Ezekiel then spoke the prophecy on them. And he said, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they might live. And he prophesied as he was commanded and breath entered them and came to life. Something that's really interesting about this is that God did not speak... Directly to those bones. God used Ezekiel, He brought Ezekiel there to speak to these bones. And it's the same thing that God wants to use us to speak to the world about Him because they don't hear God's voice. But we walk among these bones, we walk to and fro and from them, and we live with them. And, you know, God wants to use us to be His Word. To these bones. But where do we hear the word of God? You know, we sitting here. Where do we get the word of God so that we can speak to these bones? It's right here. In church. Now, this is, this is where it happens. This is where God imparts into your heart so that you can go and impart into the world. And that is why it is so important to connect in church. You know, like the testimonies that we heard about the camp and so on. There's such an amazing community going on around this place that, you know, it can only be uplifting to you to be a part of this. And I want to encourage you, connect to something, commit to something here and really start serving because it will be beneficial to you. We see this in Hebrews 3 verse 13. It says, but encourage one another Daily. As long as it's called today, so that no one of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So if you had a long, hard day and you're feeling, I'm going to strangle someone, there must be someone alongside you, a friend, like Steve said, that you can call on. Say, listen, this is getting a bit ridiculous now. Please just come and pray for me or pray over me from where you are. Just encourage one another with that. Okay, that's also just a little bit on a tangent there. So we were speaking about how these bones came to life. And how crucial the Spirit of God is creating life or breathing life into these bones. And there's a lot of emphasis placed on that, the wind that was blowing, the Spirit of God. But why is the Spirit so important to us? Why do we need the Spirit to be alive Especially within the new covenant. Because this stuff happened in the old covenant. And John alludes to this. He says in John 3 verse 5, Jesus speaks. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh and Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And at a later stage, John alludes to this breath of God again. In John 20, verse 21 to 23, it says, And again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you don't forgive them, they are not forgiven. So we see here that Jesus breathed on these disciples as a symbol telling them that you will receive the Holy Spirit. This is not where they received the Holy Spirit. This was just Jesus telling them that you are going to receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them to tell as a symbol of this what's going to happen. So we see here that the wind and the breath of God is the thing that gives life. It's the spirit in us that brings life. It's the thing that empowers us, that enables us to go into the world and prophesy to these dry bones. And what happened to these dry bones once the wind blew on them and the Spirit came into them? They stood up. He said they stood up like a vast army. And they didn't slouch up, you know, with the, the shirt buttoned down and the shorts pulled down and, you know, sort of standing there. They stood up like an army of God, a great army. You know, they weren't just made men. They were made warriors, There's a very distinct difference between that. We were made to be warriors in this. And as we know, any army is just as good as his commander. So this is just the beginning. And this is where it gets really exciting. Ezekiel 37 verse 22 says, I will unify them into one nation on the mountains of Israel, one king to rule them all. Sounds like Lord of the Rings here, you know. One king to rule them all. (laughs) Sitting on the mountain, one king to rule them all. It's quite interesting. And then we see, verse 24, who is this king? He says, my servant David will be their king, and they will have one shepherd, and they will obey my regulations, and be careful to keep my decrees. Now this, my servant David, refers to the son of David, which is Jesus, who is also called the one only shepherd. So we see from this scripture that Jesus is called to be our commander-in-chief. And we need to diligently listen to these regulations and obey the decrees that he's set for us. And this brings us probably to the, the most important question and probably the most asked question I've ever heard in small group. Or just speaking to someone is, what is the will of God in my life? Now, how do I know what God will in my life? You know, I know I'm a soldier, but what is my position? What is my calling? What is my marching orders, and where do I fit into this whole amazing army of God? And the answer to this is not as simple. No, the exact will of God in your life is between you and God, and He will impart into you what His will is in your life. But what I can give to you is a couple of standing orders in the army of God, stuff that doesn't change, stuff that we can see from the Word of God that this is His will in our lives. Something generic that is for everyone that will never change because it's in the Word of God. So the first standing order is God's will, it's God's will for everybody to be saved. So we see in John 6, 39 to 40, it says, and this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of all those He has given me. But that I should raise him up in the last day, for it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. So we see the first standing order is God wants everybody to be saved. And your job as a soldier is to make that happen. First and foremost, go into the field and make sure that everybody gets on this boat. Second standing order is the will of God for us to become pure, more like Him. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3 says, It's God's will for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin, then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Something that stands out for me here is, each one of you will control your own body. Now, what's the first thing that you, if you think about a soldier, the first thing that comes to mind is discipline. You know, nowhere to stand. You wake up at five o'clock in the morning. You make sure your shoes are polished. You make sure your shirt's ironed. There's discipline there. There's order there. And that's the same way that God wants us to approach being pure. There's certain guidelines, certain rules that set in stone that you need to set for yourself because you know what makes you stumble. You know what it is that creates a fall in your life, that makes you fall into the sexual sin that he's speaking about. We need to be diligent. We need to have discipline in order to obey the second standing order of God. Third standing order is serve others wholeheartedly. Ephesians 6 verse 5 to 7 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would Jesus Christ, and try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. I'm just going to read that again. Please them, all, please them all the time, not just when they are watching them, not just when your boss is in the office. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. So, we see here that it doesn't matter what your job is at this stage, what you do it for money. You know, as long as you do it as if you're doing it for God. Now, if, if it's your job to count paper clips to put it in boxes, do it properly. Make sure there's 150 paper clips in every box. If it's your job, you know, making copies for your boss all day long, make sure those copies are right. If it's your job to look after the company's finances, make very sure you do a good job, because that could land you in jail. (laughs) Fourth standing order is use your time wisely and constantly check your heart. Now, this is not your physical heart. No, but as you get older, it's not a bad idea every now and then. Just have a look at the ticker, make sure everything is still fine, all the roots are fine. This refers to your spiritual heart. In Ezekiel 36, verse 25 to 27, it says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. We see this referring to standing order number three. So they work nicely together. And I will put in you, oh, And I will give you a new heart, and I will put in you a new spirit. I will take your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you... So that you will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my regulations. So we need to check our hearts constantly. Checking how tender is your heart towards others. If someone comes wanting to wash your window screen because it's all he does, how tender is your heart to that? I know my heart sometimes gets a bit ruffled when I I just washed my car and he wants to rewash it. It's like a slap in the face. No, but check the tenderness of your heart. The second thing, how responsive is your heart to the Word of God? If God tells you to do something, how responsive is your heart? Now, do you, is there like a revolution going inside? you saying, oh, yes, I want to do this. Or do you sit and say, whoa, you know, I see some difficulties here. Let, let's get realistic. No, let, let's set some points. Okay? How responsive is your heart to the Word of God? And one thing that George alluded to earlier is, if God's laid in your heart for the orphans, now there's a tenderness that goes with that. Now, how responsive is your heart when God speaks to you about something like that? We prayed this morning to the, for the orphans. But how many of you will actually do something about that? We know it's a call on our lives. We know it's something that is the will of God. What will you do about that? That's just a challenge I want to lay in front of you this morning. So the first standing order. Keep praying, rejoicing, and giving thanks in all circumstances. We see in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 to 18 it says, always be joyful. Stop. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for all who belong to Jesus Christ. Always be joyful. Not sometimes. Never stop praying. You know, there's two separate sentences, two separate commands that God gives us. You know, and it's, it's, it's difficult, I know it's difficult, in, in the world that we're living in, to always be joyful. You know, when things are tough, you know, your boss is on your back, and you know, he gives you these unbelievably crazy deadlines and make promises on your behalf, and, and you have to just smile and wave. You know, But it's not about that. It's about spending time with your dad and walking away with a smile on your face. (coughs) Sorry, with a smile on your face. Sitting on your dad's lap and walking away whistling because you know this is what life is all about. It's not about the job. It's about spending time with your dad. And we also see, when we were on our way here this morning, there was a message by... Um, uh, the guy's name is Tozer he spoke about um, some stuff and and he said something he quoted about Romans 12 verse 2 where he said we need to transform our minds and we cannot change ourselves if we don't transform our minds that's impossible and the definition for something crazy no, is if you do something over and over again the same way and expecting a different result. That's crazy. So we need to change our minds so that we can change. And we can't expect to live a certain way if that doesn't happen. And that happens while you're spending time in God's Word, sitting him, sitting on his lap. That is where your mind changes. That is where you get the revelation of what God is and what His will is in your life. So these five things are just a couple of guidelines, sort of no-brainers, standing, operating procedures. Stuff that will not change. That we know is the will of God. And if you follow these five things constantly, the exact, the precise will of God will become clearer as you go through this. It's something, because you spend time with Him, you will learn to hear His voice. You will learn, you know, what it is He says to you. And then if you if you now done all these five things, and you're standing, you know, you walk, you're working through all these standing orders and so on, you get an inclination, and you think, yes, I think this is the will of God in my life. You know, there's just a couple of things that we need to check that with because our emotions sometimes get the better of us. And I've seen this a couple of times. Now, when when someone is in church, a boy is in church, and he has this fantasy of what his wife needs to be, this amazing Hollywood girl with the personality and the smile and the friends and all of that stuff, and while they are amazing girls in church, He will convince himself that it is God's will for him to pursue this lady in order to bring her back to church. Although she's not in church, she don't know God. His emotions will take over and he will convince himself. And he will tell you that it is God's will that he will pursue this lady. So we just need to keep our emotions a little bit in check here. And we need to check this. There's five five things that I believe that we need to check ourselves with. Firstly... Does it line up with God's word? Does what you feel in your heart line up with what is in God's word? The second thing, does it get clearer the more you walk with this thing? You know, God is not into keeping us in the dark. Now, if you walk on this path and you believe this is the will of God, this is the will of God, and, you know, but you can't see it, it's as clear as mud. You know, God's not into that. God wants to give you vision. God wants to make sure that you know exactly what you need to do. The third thing is, what does your conscience say about this thing? Now, if you think going out at night with your friends to a bar and, you know, two, three drinks with them might, and then I might invite them back to church or make some friends then, invite them back to church. There is room for that, but just check it with your conscience. Now, if, if you have a history of getting stuck there till 2 o'clock in the morning, I would not recommend doing that. Now, check your conscience with that. If you think this is God's will, what does your heart say about that? Now, that renewed heart, the tender heart that God placed in you. And then the fourth thing is, does it somehow edify the church? And something that uh, Herman said this morning was amazing, That you know, the guys on stage here have amazing talent. They could have done this for a living. But God called them to be worship leaders to edify the church. That's the fourth thing that we need to check it about. Does it edify the church? And does it help spread the gospel? So if you think that you know what's God's will in your life, just check it against these four things. And make sure that what you feel is actually what's going on there. Keep your emotions in check. So now, we soldiers, we have an action plan. We know what the will of God is in our lives. We have the marching orders. But we must not forget the one thing that put us there, the breath of God, the thing that gave us life in the first place. We should never neglect this, the Spirit of God. Ephesians 5 Verse fifteen to twenty one says, So be careful how you live, don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of any opportunity in these evil days, and don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the world what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. But instead be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see here that God, well, here in Ephesians, it says it refers being filled with the Holy Spirit to drinking wine. You know, if you want to stay drunk, you need to keep drinking wine. Now, if you come to a point, you stop drinking wine, you're going to get a hangover, and then you're going to be sober again. Now, so if you continuously want to be in that haze, you need to continuously drink this wine. The same way in the Holy Spirit. If you want to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to allow that to happen. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to wash over you. It's like a flame. Have you ever sat in a campfire and you're trying to get this little fire starting? What's the one thing you do to that thing? You blow on that flame. And that's the same breath of life that God wants to bring into us. The moment that we got saved, a fire started inside of us. And if that fire gets small, we need God's breath, the Spirit of God, to just roar into that, inflame the thing again, make it burn bright again so that other people can see it. So if the band's ready you can, can do your thing here again. So we see it's it's the breath of God and, and whilst wine you know makes you lose your inhibitions, the more you drink wine, the crazier you get. Now, wine makes you lose your inhibitions to do stupid things. How many of you have heard this line? Oh, fast my dope and check your move. (laughs) No, It doesn't happen when you're sober. (laughs) Never. (laughs) So in the same way, the Holy Spirit makes us lose our inhibitions to do good stuff. Not to say, oh, fast my dope, but to say, check this move, and going on the street... Going, walking up to someone in a shopping center and praying for them. You know, walking up to someone and saying, I believe God's laid this in my heart that I should pray for you because you know, I believe you have a sore knee. That's not something that happens when you're sober. You know, we as humans tend to keep to ourselves a little bit. You know, so if stuff like that happens and you want that to happen, we need to invoke it. You now we need to get the Holy Spirit inside of us so that we can lose our inhibitions for Jesus. So we can set aside our own personal agenda and look towards what God wants in our lives. So it's only if we have the Holy Spirit in our lives that we are able to stand to our feet as soldiers and march out of this valley of dry bones into a place that we need to be. With the standing orders that God has placed in our hearts. And it is there where the impossible becomes possible. Where you can prophesy to dry bones and see the flesh starting to form. See the skin starting to form. Speak the breath of God. Speak the spirit of God into those hearts and see life happen. Speak into a situation where there's no hope and suddenly hope appears. Speak into a situation where there's brokenness and God gives healing. That's where we need to be. So if you can just stand to have your feet like soldiers. Now this is what God longs for us. He wants us to have this. He wants us to be alive. He wants us to go into the world to speak to these dry bones so that they might live, because it is will for everybody to be saved. So, as I was preparing for this, if you could just close your eyes, you know, I really felt in my heart this: there's, there's a couple of groups of people that needed to hear this message the first group was people that you know you feel so dry you've been there you had the flame but the flame has died out and you feel as if you are lying in this valley with this massive walls and you're looking up and it seems so impossible if that's you today you need a fresh breath of God you need that Holy Spirit just to just to fan that flame again, just to get it going again. That's the first part. The second group of people is people feeling trapped. Now you know you're a soldier. You know that you've been called to do God's work. You feel the Holy Spirit moving inside you, but you're not quite sure what those marching orders are yet you're not quite sure what this specific will of God is in your life you feel inside you there's something bigger that just wants to come out a hulk trapped inside your body that wants to come out and just lay waste to the enemy's plans Seeking the will of God. That's the second group of people. The third group is people that feel dead. People that feel like the dry bones lying in this valley that's just scattered everywhere. There's no hope for you. You've tried every self-help book you could get your hands on and nothing worked out for you. God is calling you this morning. He has a word for you. He has a word that He wants to speak into your life so that you can become alive.